everyone. Welcome to the Film for Fans podcast, your home for movie news, reviews, and movie fan views. This is the podcast from movie fans for movie fans. I am your host, Ryan Dunlevy, and joined, as always, by Rob Dunham. Hello. Well, we have a fantastic show in store. We're going to be talking about the box office results, what's upcoming. We're going to revisit, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to revisit the Daniel Craig Bond movies and talk a little bit about them in anticipation of No Time to Die in a couple of weeks. We're going to play a game, the blockbuster game, as you were, and we'll talk about what TV series we'd like to see turned into movies. And of course, as always, our watch list. All right, you ready to get started, Rob? I am. Okay. We are just hoping that uh, Rob's phone stays up and that we do not have uh, just random phone falling while this Yeah, I just moved it and leaned forward, so hopefully that's going to solve all the world's <laughs> problems, or at least the problems with my phone. <laughs> all right. Well, let's start off with box office results from last week. Uh, once again, for the third week in a row, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings uh, takes home $21.7 at the top spot, which is still quite respectable three weeks in. It's definitely not experiencing the drop-off that some of the other ones have. Free Guy still up there at number two with 5.1. Uh, new movie from last week, Cry Macho with Clint Eastwood at $4.4 4 Candyman taking home 3.5. And Malignant at 2.7 million rounds out the top five. Uh, any comments, Rob, about uh, the box office results from last week? Uh, I think, again, Shang-Chi is just proving that if you're a major movie and you stick to being just in the theater, uh, you might do pretty well. And Free Guy also. It's mm-hmm. making that argument. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you really wonder uh, what's going to happen moving forward here with mm-hmm. these new releases coming out. And if studios are going to alter their plans or um, what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting that of the top five two only two of them have the simultaneous streaming options and those are cry macho and malignant i was actually impressed with uh the results for cry macho 4.4 million is very respectable for a you know a, a lesser film uh clint eastwood's name must still uh bring some fans out and that one had a simultaneous release on hbo max so uh, as does Malignant. So that I thought it was pretty impressive that Cry Macho managed to uh, squeeze out 4.4 million. It didn't have a ton of competition either because there wasn't a there wasn't a big movie released uh, last week. So that's something. Yeah, we live in hope of James Bond coming to save the day and it mm-hmm. not being delayed again. Mm-hmm. There's still there's still way too much time between when it's supposed to come out. And it actually coming out for me to be confident. We're so close. We're so close at this point. We're so close. Like you can almost taste it. I need my James Bond. I need him in my life. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see if uh, we'll see if Shang Chi takes a third, a fourth straight week. I'm guessing it will. Um, we'll talk mm-hmm. about the new movie that is coming out this week. Cause there's only one really larger scale release coming out this week as well. So I'm guessing you're still going to see Shang-Chi up in the high teens for next week. Yeah, I, I, w- I would agree. I'm very excited about the movie that's coming out, but I think as a very focused audience, I don't think it's going to be like a major, major money getter. So I would not be surprised if Shang-Chi stays top. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get to that new movie. Uh, So the big release for this week is Dear Evan Hansen. And this is the film adaptation of the Tony and Grammy Award winning musical about Evan Hansen, a high school senior with social anxiety disorder and his journey of self-discovery and acceptance following the suicide of a fellow classmate. Uh, So this is a story that has existed in other forms and been successful in other forms that they're now bringing to the theater. And I do believe, uh, having seen the trailers, that there this will feature some musical elements to it. I don't know if it's going to be a complete musical like some, but I think it will have musical elements to it. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure it will be mostly musical because it is based right off of the musical. And some of the songs that are major ones, especially the one that plays over the trailer, is a really good song. And a lot of people really enjoy this soundtrack. And I would say that it's very high quality. And I'm excited to see the movie. I'm excited to see how they translate it from the stage to a movie because some of them have done that really well. Some have not done it so well. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. I, the trailer looks good. So we'll see how the movie comes out. Yeah. I think it, it conveys a really heart. um, Well, that's not the right word. I would say it conveys a real depth to it. I think it has, um, it's trying to get at something that is, yeah, I'm blanking out on the word I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of, but it, I think, I think it has, it has a, a meaning to it. I think it really is trying to um, convey something uh, important and positive from the trailer. I have not seen the musical, so I don't know. I, I don't capture the entire storyline. Um, but I think it has it has some potential, even though I'm not particularly a big fan of musicals in general. Um, this one did have some intrigue for me. Yeah, it seems to really tie into the idea of that. Um, just because you're broken doesn't mean that no one else is like everyone is mm-hmm. in their own way. And I've really liked that about the music from this show. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm very interested to see it. I might see it like opening day or very close to because I've been looking forward to this. Mm-hmm. So I will be seeing it for in the theaters for sure. Yeah. And I might wait to, to hear what your, uh, what your thoughts are on it and the level to which <laughs> the musicality of this <laughs> movie, because I, I don't know, just too much. There's too, there's such a thing as too much in, in a movie for me, uh, but I'm intrigued. So that's something. All right. Well, that is what's coming up in the box office this week. Make sure you go and check out. There's a ton of movies out that are of worth and seeing. So make sure you get up to the movies this weekend. Uh, but now we have in two weeks, we have the new Bond film. And there's a lot of places that are going back and, and kind of doing retrospective on the Daniel Craig Bond films and uh there was an article i read that that led me down uh the path of what we're going to talk about next and this was an article on ew.com about the stunts that were done in the opening basically the opening chase scene of casino royale which is really is an unbelievable scene and that led me to to think about this idea of the most memorable scenes from both casino royale and Quantum of Solace. And then next week we can tackle uh, Skyfall and Spectre. Can I choose every single scene in Skyfall? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we'll have to like rank order best scenes from Skyfall. (laughs) Because it's the most beautiful movie I've ever seen. It is spectacular. James Bond movie is just, it's crazy. It's just, Mm -hmm. man, Roger Deakins is a madman that's all i have to say about that he's incredible he really is incredible um but this the the scene and and what i liked about this article to set up just kind of set up the framework the discussion with this article uh they talked about it and they set it up in the framework and it's hard to remember back this far uh but the movie came out in 2006 and the last bond movie had come out in 2002 i believe with pierce brosnan uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> the laser on the eyes but my goodness <laughs> were, uh, yeah but maybe you don't remember back to this but pierce brosnan was kind of like a he was a more typical bond uh he was he was very characteristic of the actors they had in bond at that time and those roles uh despite the fact that some of those movies were hot garbage uh, <laughs> i mean they're fun i'll put it this way the, the right. Brosnan movies are fun who, who has who among us has not had a giant space laser shoot from near the moon melts in the ice cap and have a surf off of it i mean 
I'm who does but it even without, the, without the first surfboard cast the first stone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I like parts of that movie, but my goodness, that, that ending was just, was just, I a, will say though, like the Arecibo telescopic array scenes hmm. with Sean mean, I have to, those were good. I have to give credit hmm. where credit is due. We talked about this when the thing collapsed as it yeah. being the setting for that and contact hmm. and, it it was that was good. I was I gotta give it to that. I gotta give it to that one. But now get back to setting that stage. So you come off the Pierce Brosnan movies, and they announced that Daniel Craig is going to be Bond. And at that point, everyone was kind of like going, "Really, Daniel Craig? Like you want a blonde-haired, blue-eyed Bond?" Really? I still, my brother will still not watch any of the movies because he has blonde hair, so he can't be James Bond, which I think is <laughs> the dumbest thing I've ever heard because like three of my five favorite Bond movies are Daniel Craig. Yeah, and he's not going to be Bond anyway, so get over it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this was a big deal. Like, What was Daniel Craig going to be as Bond? How is that going to go? What is going to happen? And how are these going to, movies going to feel different from the Pierce Brosnan era, uh, which was really very 90s in the characteristic, even though they crossed over a little bit in the 2000s. So what would, what would the new era of Bond look like? And all of a sudden you come out with a Daniel Craig Bond and really the first official like big action sequence is this opening sequence where it has, it's like eight minutes long. It's, and it features parkour and fighting on cranes and all kinds of just ridiculous amounts of stunts. Uh, so let's start out with this particular scene. And we're actually, let, let's say it this way. Um, one of the things they talked about with this opening scene, we'll talk about this one and then we'll get into our list is that it really did define what the new era of Bond was going to look like. It really did set the tone for what was Bond was going to be. It was much more visceral. It was much more hand-to-hand. It was much grittier. It was much more Daniel Craig getting into the soup and not just staying above it. Um, what did you think? Yeah, Pierce Brosnan was just too pretty to actually, you know, fight. <laughs> so, what a tool, that guy. Um, anyway, uh, is Casino Royale... Does that start with the black and white sequence or is that? Yes. Or is that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because yes, the black so. and white sequence mm-hmm. of that movie were in the bathroom and he's like mercilessly pounding on this dude. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is different. <laughs> <laughs> like his hair is not all just staying in place. He's like, it's not like it's glued to his head. Like he, he, it looks like he's actually sweating, like actually making an effort. I'm like, the previous James Bond. So <laughs> I I remember just being like, holy cow, this is mm-hmm. cool. And what they said about in the article, one of the things they said was that between the last Brosnan and the first Craig movie, the Bourne movies mm-hmm. had started to come out. Yes. And so they couldn't like just keep James Bond how it was. They had to outdo Jason Bourne, basically, yeah. was the idea. And I would I mean, I really like the Bourne movie, so it's hard for me to say they outdid Jason Bourne, but they they matched the level, I think, of intensity mm-hmm. with what they had. And I think a lot of people seeing that scene in the theater were probably very surprised. Yeah. They're like, okay, I don't remember this James Bond before. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> what was uh, so- and I, I, I really like that whole sequence. Yeah, go ahead. What was so cool about this sequence is Bond is not the best in this series in this sequence bond is constantly being outdone but it's not just bond the physical specimen it's bond using his quick thinking his intuition his instincts to basically maintain connection with this guy who's running around i mean and they set it up with an actual parkour guy which, I mean, if you've ever seen any of those guys in action, they're insane. Was it Dwight Schrute? Was he? <laughs> it, was, it was not Dwight Schrute, unfortunately. <laughs> Parkour. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. 
So you see this guy just like going up a construction crane and Bond's like, well, how the heck do I get up there? Obviously he can't match this guy in a physical standpoint. So you watch him in real time make split second decisions to equal the action of someone who's doing it in a much more athletic and physical manner. And that whole chase sequence was just so fascinating to watch. Um, what was your favorite part of it? Uh, I really like when they go on to the, the um, construction cranes hmm. in the, like near the water. That's really cool. Yeah. Cause they're, you got worried about balance, worried about ele- uh, nature's elements, worried about just having to try and keep up with this dude. And I like that too, because they're going back and forth about like, what's the quickest route for me to go to mm-hmm. get ahead of this guy or to catch this guy using, like you said, it's all parkour using the environment to figure out the easiest way to do something without absolutely killing yourself to death. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think was so great about it is because it displayed, it displayed multiple aspects of the bond character that we were going to see from Daniel Craig. He's not a, he's not a one dimensional robot. And he actually had to problem solve in real time while chasing this guy down. I think my two favorite sequences are, uh, when the guy jumps from one crane to the other and then bounces down and you're like, what? How, how does he do that? And then Bond's like, how are you going to do this? And he jumps and just like smacks into the crane. It's like hanging on for dear life. And, and you just watch that and you're like, yeah, that's exactly how that would go. Uh, or the second one where he's in the, he's in the actual building construction site and the parkour guy uh, grabs on to a bar on the roof and slides his whole body through a, a really small opening in, in the drywall. And then you just see the other side of the drywall and bond just charges straight through the drywall yeah. knocks open, you know, just knocks the wall down essentially. It's like, yeah, that's perfect. I love that. But it's such a, the, and we'll link to the article, but it's such a good uh, way to revisit it and just how that set the tone for what the Daniel Craig Bond movies were. Uh, anything else to say on that sequence? Uh, I don't think so. I just, oh. I'm, I'm impressed by the level of athleticism and skill that went into mm-hmm. um, performing that. And it seemed, it, it doesn't seem fake. So yeah. they did a really good job mm-hmm. of making it seem visceral and real. And that's one of those things where sometimes you bring something that's happening that's like more of a YouTube sensation or or more of a, an internet culture thing, and you try and bring it into a movie and it doesn't translate well. Uh, that one really, really did bring in the idea of parkour and that sort of thing into uh, a movie. It translated super well. All right, so let's let's break down. What are your what are your some of your favorite scenes? We'll start with Casino Royale. What are some of your favorite scenes from Casino Royale? So that one is obviously the big one. I mentioned like the whole black and white sequence at the mm-hmm. beginning is something I really like. I kind of get Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace mixed up sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really like obvi- the, the movie is called Casino Royale. So I really like the scenes in the casino. <laughs> I like the back and forth and subterfuge going on with the drinks and the mm-hmm. poisoning and all kinds of different stuff going on. And, um, the scene where they have to basically uh, bring him back to life after he's in the casino and the guy poisons him. I love one of maybe my favorite scene in the movie, I guess, is when he comes back to the table and is like, I am still alive. <laughs> that last scene nearly killed me. Le, yeah. Le Chief, is that the bad guy mm-hmm. in this one? He's just yep. kind of like, I was not expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of my favorites, one of my favorite things about Casino Royale is that they actually gave Ava Green's character an actual legitimate storyline arc character development. She was a round character. She wasn't just a Bond girl who's there to serve Bond's whims. Uh, She actually had a personality. Uh, She wasn't just instantaneously in love with Bond. And Bond had an actual effect or she had an actual effect on on Bond. Like that relationship really, really was a standout uh, star of the movie. Uh, But I think there's one scene that exemplifies it after um, 
during one of their poker breaks, when, when they go up and they end up having to uh, shoot, uh, they get caught up in some of the people who are trying to uh, murder Lashif. And they end up in this battle sequence and Bond ends up having to kill some of them. He goes back to finish the round of poker. And when he comes back to the hotel room, uh, Ava Green's character is still in her dress in the shower, like in shock. And he just walks over to her, sits down in the shower, puts his arm around her. Like that scene is just so unlike what you what you're used to seeing in Bond films. And and the way that the way that worked was really really cool. Yeah, James Bond doesn't fall in love when he does; they die. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, Vesper is one of my favorite characters in all of James Bond movies, and did a really good job. The they did a really good job of writing her character to be strong without it being like overbearing or preachy or unnecessary, like. She's mm-hmm. a strong woman because she is like, mm-hmm. I, I just, I really like the character. I really like what happens emotionally to James from this movie into the next one because of her mm-hmm. and him having to come to grips with it. Um, it might just be the emo college boy in me. Who's <laughs> like so attracted to that character, but I just think they did a fantastic job. They really did. With Vesper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was really strong. Um, I think the other scene that sticks out to me is the ending scene in Venice, uh, where they basically shoot the float, the flotation devices for the for the ancient building out, and the building is kind of sinking down into the Venice Canal, and and just kind of the timeline that that gives, and and the sense of urgency that, that provides and just the way that scene plays out is, is pretty fascinating and visually it's very interesting yeah it's probably one of the most heartbreaking probably the most heartbreaking scene in the james bond movie i would argue yeah probably but they don't drowning. tend to have a ton of heart <laughs> yeah yeah he doesn't really like i said he doesn't really care about women when he does they die that's yeah. just how it goes <laughs> but james bond is not allowed to be happy sorry I think I think one underrated scene was the very first scene with M where in, in that movie where M just comes walking out of a meeting in some like government meeting and she just rants and she just goes off for two and a half minutes about how every single person in the room is a complete idiot. And it's like, yes, we're still got we still got M. <laughs> uh, she's great. All right. So let's move on to Quantum of Solace. What were, what were some of your ones from Quantum of Solace? Uh, my favorite scene is the um, the flight scene where like every part of the plane falls apart <laughs> as they're dr- flying through a canyon trying to escape a fighter jet, and basically the plane disintegrates over time <laughs> until it like falls into a cave, which is just crazy. It's amazing, and uh, there's a lot of tension and danger in that scene, and I've mm. I really like that a lot. Yeah. I, I enjoy the scene. What was it? The opera mm-hmm. um, at the end, that big outdoor opera. Uh, visually, it was very stunning. And how he uh, how he plays that where he gets kind of gets on their radio communication frequencies and he's kind of chiming in and watching them move just the um, the movement of that scene and and how how that plays out and how they're playing off of each other as a result of that i think is is pretty fascinating that's it's one of my top scenes on this one this one for me is the most forgettable one for me um Mm -hmm. i've seen it a number of times and i just have a hard time retaining most of the movie in my head it just doesn't stick with me like some of the other ones do yeah i i enjoy like the stark nature of some of the scenes in this movie where it's like the cover of the movie, the poster of the movie was just them walking alone in the desert. And that's kind of the feeling you get. And that's, I guess the overall feel of the movie is that they're alone against everything because mm-hmm. it's multiple bad guys all out to get them throughout the course of the movie. And the, the scene when they're in the building too, and it's like exploding all around them is very intense. Cause at one point um, it's very heavily implicated that James Bond is suggesting, let's just kill ourselves 
because we can't get out of here. And instead he shoots, uh, shoots out a way for them to get out. And it's just a pretty intense moment. And I, I really liked that. I thought that that felt very real and very actually scary, which you don't see a whole lot in Bond movies either. Not real, actual fear. Yeah. It's usually like laser beams attached to sharks' heads or <laughs> ice caps melting and surfing on them or um, a guy with a giant mouth full of golden teeth trying to bite your face off. Or there's Oh, running on crocodiles also. There's any number of examples that we could <laughs> go with. Yeah. But. There's definitely more of a stark realism to the Daniel Craig Bond films. Mm-hmm. Not that everything is realistic, but it there's an attempt to ground it more than you have seen in other movies. And I agree, Quantum of Solace feels more grounded. It feels less whimsical than a lot of the other Bond films do. Um, it's it's more fly by the seat of your pants type thing. Um, I think the, the one scene that's also intriguing to me too is when uh, Olga Kurilenko's character, I think was it Camilla? Um, mm-hmm first meets bond she just kind of jumps in the car and they start going off and they're not on the same page as to what's happening uh it was kind of a fun moment and and that led to some interesting uh the kind of turnabout as fair play as as she's trying to basically order yeah. him around was it was pretty cool i thought that was a that was an interesting way to introduce that character and and to bring her into the storyline yeah speaking of cars and uh Casino Royale. We go back to that. I really like the scene where he like picks up the girl, and he's like, "You want to go back to my place for a drink?" She's like, "Yeah." And he goes around the circle one time. And he's like, "We're here." Uh-huh. <laughs> there were some fun moments with cars in that one, like when the guy confuses him to as uh, a uh, what was it uh, a valet, and he yeah. just takes the guy's car and uses it and just rams a whole bunch of cars. Just instantly uses that as his distraction to get in the security office. Now he's just driving this random like rental car. <laughs> like, yeah. what is James Bond driving this Ford Taurus or whatever it was? Boy, <laughs> I think ridiculous. It was supposed to be like a highlight for Ford, but it really does feel like how did James Bond end up yeah. with just a random rental car? <laughs> <laughs> Aston Martin versus rental car. <laughs> I was like, look, Bond drives a Ford too. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like us. He's yeah. poor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else on Quantum Souls? No, I don't think so. All right. Well, let's go on to our game. We're going to play a game. Uh, And this game was brought to me by a a friend of mine. There is an actual blockbuster game. Pretty cool. And it's a pretty cool game. It comes in like a case of the blockbuster blockbuster VHS cassette. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And so what we will do is adapt that for the podcast a little bit. And one of the aspects of the game is you get a random category. And in that category, you go back and forth with somebody else trying to name films that meet that category until one of you runs out of ideas. And there's like a 10 second time limit on this. Uh, So you only have a limited amount of time. So I thought we'd we'd try that. We'd we'd play this a little bit to see how... uh, to see how we do on this front. So we'll call, I'll call out a category and then uh, we'll jump in from there. And I do have a 10 second timer, so I don't know how well this is gonna work. <laughs> I'll reset how many things can you name in 10 seconds? Well, basically we'll reset it each time. We'll reset oh. it each time. So okay. once you give an answer, we'll reset it. Okay. And, and we'll see how this goes. Who's giving an answer first then? Um, I will let you give an answer first. All right. And and then we'll go from there. All right. So are we ready for the first category? I'm ready. The category is Tom Hanks movies. Go. Sleepless in Seattle. All right. Uh, Big. Castaway. Um... That's not 10 seconds. <laughs> Sorry, that's not 10 seconds. I didn't reset it. <laughs> it's not working as well as I thought it would. <laughs> Sorry, I'm more worried about like getting the timer going than I am about doing this right. All right. So, all right, we'll reset that here. 
<laughs> All right, I got it now. We're good. Okay, so I will Are continue. <laughs> All right, you ready? Road to perdition. News of the world. The Green Mile. Horse Gump. Uh, the Burbs. Uh, Apollo 13. That's the one I was going to use. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, Sully. Polar Express. Sleepless in Seattle. I said that one first. Oh, okay. Then uh, you got mail. Extremely loud and incredibly close. Oh man, you got it just under the just under the gun there. Um, let's see what else. What else we got here? Um, I got nothing. I got nothing. All right, you win that one. All right, you win that round. There's only been about eight thousand movies. I know. So. <laughs> oh yes. Okay. All right, you ready? you ready for the next one? Whew, I need to. I need to get a massage after this because I'm I'm all tense now. The other thing on the rules is you can't use every movie in a series. Okay. So if you say related to the next category, yeah. So if you say like uh, Jason Bourne, then you can't use any of the other Bourne films. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, so next, next one. Okay. Movies with kids in the lead. Go. Okay. Uh, blank check. Okay. Um, uh, the big green. Little Giants. Uh, Mighty Ducks. Home Alone. Heavyweights. Uh, Spy Kids. Getting Even with Dad. Just watched that one last week. Yeah. Um, Rishi Rich. Mm, good one. Um, uh, rookie of the year. Little Big League. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just copying him. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, man. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, shoot. Uh, where the red fern grows? <laughs> I'll accept it. I'm going to okay. reuse the Polar Express. <laughs> okay. That's a, that's a <laughs> um. Tintin, The Adventures of Tintin. Uh, Dunstan checks in. Oh, counts? nice. Uh, yeah. Yes, that's a good one. Okay. Um, okay. Then I will go with um, Getting Even with Dad. Or no. You said that, one, that one. Oh, no. Yeah. I meant, uh, oh, <laughs> now I can't, like, oh, no. What was the one with, uh, what was the one with uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas where he like, he meets like the, the kid who's like into Indian stuff and he builds a teepee on the roof and like, oh, what was that movie? Um, that was the movie I was thinking of. And then I said the wrong name. I don't remember. Oh, I'll have to look that one up. All right. All right. Ready? Last one. Last category here. Let's see if we can do this. All right. Martial arts films go enter the dragon on kung pao enter the fist <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay i'm gonna go with uh kill bill not good with martial arts films does shang chi count <laughs> <laughs> i'll give it to you in this instance i'll give it to you um, <laughs> Uh, let's go with um, Rush Hour. Sure. Why not? <laughs> There's more parts in it. <laughs> um, 
karate kid. Oh, you got that one. Okay. All right. I see. I see what we got. Um, it's the protector. I've got nothing, but there really should be a movie about an NFL lineman turned karate star called The Pocket Protector. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I win that one. Uh, So it finished two to one to Rob in in this instance. Yeah, I threw that one because I already won. So there we go. I I lost on purpose as a joke. Yeah. Good, good uh, callback reference there to uh, compile. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> we trained him wrong purposely as a joke. It's <laughs> <laughs> such a ridiculous movie. Really. That's a lot of nuts. <laughs> the whole my face to your fist method. And the, the best one is, I am bleeding, making me the victor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep, that's a good one. Yep. Okay. Uh let's uh let's move on to our next one, which uh we will do as uh basically with uh with the start of most of the TV show series, uh the debut of the new seasons of most of the TV shows. We are a movie podcast, we're not doing the TV shows, but it brings up this idea. What TV series would you like to see turn into a movie? So famously, there have been several uh, series that have done really well in movies, uh, Star Trek being one of the primary ones when it comes to that regard. But there have been a number of ones that have gotten a movie off the ground or anything of that nature. So what would you uh, what TV series would you like to see there be a movie? It could be like a direct spinoff of the series. It could be like series ends. Now you go to movies. It could be uh, like they did with, you know, kind of Firefly, where it's kind of a summation, but kind of uh, taking it to the next level. So however you want to put it, what TV series would you like to see turned into a movie? Um, so it's kind of, it's a difficult question because like most of the TV series I really like, I really like because of how they have spent the time to tell the story that they're telling. Hmm. So for me, I almost have to focus in on like this aspect of the TV show and make a broader movie about it. And um, for, for me, the first thing that comes to mind is I really like the show, the walking dead. Mm. And one of the complaints about the show, the walking dead is that it got too broad and like stretched out. And a lot of the main characters disappeared and people lost interest in being connected with it. But there is one segment of The Walking Dead in particular I love, and that is the character of Negan, played by Jeffrey Dean Morgan, mm. and his group, The Saviors. Um, because to me, he was like the most, one of the most terrifying bad guys I've ever seen on a screen because he wasn't, like he was, he was that kind of kill you with kindness attitude. So he wasn't right up in your face, like, I'm going to murder all of you. Like he would, come around to that after not sweet talking you but like making you feel like yeah, we could be friends you know if you do what i want you to do and mm-hmm. um he's just a scary dude and i think if they could make a movie around that section mm-hmm. of season five or whatever it was and expand it out a little bit that'd be really cool but it's mm-hmm. like i said with a show like that where it's just so wide it's really hard to say let's make a movie yeah out of this like it would almost have to be like you said a summation or an extension of what has already been done because there's just way too much material but then again you look at star trek and they've done like their own standalone things that Mm -hmm. aren't tied into what has already happened in the show so it's possible to happen but yeah i think there are several areas of the walking dead they could expand on and make a movie out of and have it be effective yeah Mm, and some of it is it depends on the type of show it is star trek was not star trek was episodic it was not Mm -hmm. nearly as serial as some shows are so when you have a more a show that's more episodic where one one 
episode doesn't necessarily carry over into the next one. I mean, maybe small themes or small little bits, but you're not having that big carryover from episode to episode. It's easier than to create a new story and say, hey, here's our movie. Uh, that's a lot harder to do on shows like Lost, which depend on the long, drawn-out narrative with everything building upon each other. And that would make Lost almost impossible to do a movie out of unless you wanted to expand on a character or tell a second story or side story. Uh, but what that show really relied on was the long, the long storytelling. And, and that's one of the things you were talking about. Uh, so for me, that narrowed down some of the choices. Uh, but one I thought um, coming up would be Dexter. I think Dexter would play out really, really well as a movie. You could craft a, a, a movie around the character of Dexter. Uh, pretty well, I think you could get into the psychology of how he is, why he is, and and watch that play out in a movie as as he's a, trying to achieve an objective. I think you could. I think I can see a pathway for Dexter being a movie. This is the part of the episode where Ryan is told by Rob once again that he still has not watched Dexter, and Ryan shakes his head in in pity and <sighs> disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> but since this is a movie podcast, I will spare you my dietary on you not watching that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. There are other people who I care about who are also um, very disappointed in <laughs> me. So. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have any other ones? No, I don't think so. Maybe someone should give me Dexter for Christmas. Mm. Yeah, Maybe then I'd be compelled to watch it. I don't know. Just saying. You'll get hooked. Uh, so the other one for me that I came up with was person of interest. I think person of interest would yeah. make an excellent movie. Uh, you have to tie up the story. Uh, so if you're not familiar with person of interest, really, really good show from, I think it was on CBS a number of years mm -hmm. ago, yep, it was. Uh, which had, um, uh, it was a really compelling premise of a guy who basically invents, uh, invents the, the big tech, uh, the spy network that they yeah. use that is partially being used to uh, look up terrorists, but he has a backdoor into it that can help him fight crime and solve murders. Yeah. So since I can see him as literally nothing else, I like to refer to the show as Benjamin Linus plus Christ. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Cause it does star Jim Caviezel uh, and uh, Michael Emerson who, who played uh Harold Finch in the show, but Benjamin Linus on Lost. Uh, also, Taraji P. Henderson is in it as well, and she's very good. Uh, but this idea of, of the tech overlord uh, in artificial intelligence uh, that you're trying to use for good while balancing its negative effects, I think that storyline can definitely uh, be developed into a cinematic fold. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, if you have any suggestions for us on TV shows that you think should be made movies, let us know. Send us a message at filmforfans.com. Uh, leave a comment on the podcast and maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll talk about a few of them here coming up. So let's move on to the watch list. Movies that we watched over the past week. We'll give a brief synopsis of the movies and talk about a few opinions of ours on them. Rob, what'd you watch this week? I watched Scary Things by myself. Oh alone on the couch sad because no one i know will watch them with me well <laughs> incorrect no one who i live with will watch them with me so i see i i saw saw three and four i see saw three and four <laughs> i don't know if they're correct it's very confusing to me the language um i realized about five minutes into saw three i'd seen it already and I realized about an hour and a half into Saw 3, the reason why I didn't remember originally I'd seen it already was because it wasn't necessarily worth seeing. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it just felt very disjointed to me. Um, the Saw movies I have liked have felt more, more coherent or focused on either like a singular place or a person or something like that. This was more... It was, they made it very wide ranging. And for me, it was too, too wide ranging. Mm -hmm. um, Saw 4, on the other hand, I thought was much more focused on the one character, Detective Rig, and did a really good job of 
explaining how he was being kind of coerced, tempted, recruited by Jigsaw, who's the bad guy, if you have not seen any of the Saw movies. Um, and the opening sequence of that movie is just, it's disgusting. <laughs> but it's, it's fascinating at the same time because they're doing an autopsy on Jigsaw, the bad guy, and they're like cutting his brain open and they t- like rip his chest cavity open. They like cut into his stomach and there's a tape recorder inside. It's very, hmm. Don't eat before you see the beginning of Saw 4. <laughs> and I told this to my wife and she said, yeah, I would have left in about 30 seconds. You would have been watching the movie by yourself anyway. I, I know. That's why I didn't ask you to watch it. Um, and then I watched uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane, which I had not seen before. It was surprising because it's I've heard a lot of good things about it for a long time and not watched it. it has Mary Elizabeth Winstead in it. Um, Ramona from Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. The girl from Gemini Man, Will Smith. If you are interested in what else you might be in. Um, and she basically gets taken to this underground bunker and she's held captive by this person. And you're not really sure if he has the best motives or intentions or if what he's doing is right. At one point, he shoots the other person who's down there with them and dissolves him in a vat of acid. So it seems like he might not be the best person. <laughs> And he's played by John Goodman, and this is the part of the show where I say John Goodman, more like John Badman. And uh... <laughs> oh, it was the mute button when I needed it. <laughs> <laughs> but it, he is fascinating in this movie. I think he is mm-hmm. fantastic mm-hmm. movie because you're not really, you're never really sure if he's the good person or the bad person. Yeah. And then she leaves the bunker, and the entire world like. I'm not going to say exactly what happens, but I, she was not expecting what happened when she left the bunker. I know that for sure. Yeah. And it's wild. And it is tied into, if you've seen the original movie Cloverfield, they're tied together. But they're not necessarily, they're, they're not, it's not like a sequel of the movie, but mm-hmm. it's related to the same idea. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really intriguing movie. And I love because the scale of it is so small and, and condensed and claustrophobic almost. They rely on that that claustrophobic nature to create that film. Yeah, if you want to see another movie like that, I would recommend the movie Room, mm. um, which is really good and really heartbreaking because that involves a wife or a lady and her son being kidnapped by someone and held against their will for a long time and they finally break free most of the movie is filmed in one room because it's amazing what they do to make it feel important and like there's a story there Mm -hmm. yeah what did you watch uh for me i watched uh i watched taken uh, which we talked about not too terribly long ago, the kind of the quintessential Liam Neeson action movie. And I think, uh, I think it still holds up. I like, I like the movie. I like the way it plays out. And uh, sometimes you just like seeing someone just get over on bad guys and just, uh, just absolutely demolish them. It's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty great. Just, uh, you know, take no prisoners approach. I like it. As much as they make fun of it when he says he has a particular set of skills, it is a really good line. Mm-hmm. It is. It really is. So that, that's a fascinating movie. I like it. It still, it still holds up. Uh, then I rewatched Reminiscence. Since it was leaving HBO Max uh, this past week, I, I watched it again. I decided I wanted to give it another watch. And I liked it just as much on the return as I did mm. the first time. Um, I get why some people didn't. But I still enjoyed it. I think it was interesting and unique. I think some of the parts were unnecessary. Um, but in general, I, I enjoyed how it, how it works out. And I really still enjoyed Rebecca Ferguson's performance uh, really, really well. I think her, her character, very similarly to how you were referring to John Goodman in 10 Cloverfield Lane, like the way she plays her character, you're, you're not quite sure you want to like her. you want to, you want to believe her, 
but you're not quite sure if you can. Uh, and that kind of the weight she carries in that really works. It really does. Um, it, it, I thought it felt like a little bit like Westworld. And then it was like, Oh yeah, it was written by, <laughs> it was written by the people from Westworld. So it's like, okay, you have Tandy Newton in there as well. Uh, you have another character who was in Westworld who, who makes a brief cameo in there. So you can, you can extrapolate a little bit there. There are some similarities and some overlaps between uh, the show Westworld and that one. Uh, the last one I watched, uh, which I've been thinking about more recently. So I decided to watch it was Nightcrawler. Have you seen Nightcrawler? That movie is creepy as all. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Jake Gyllenhaal yeah. in that movie. Uh-huh. Ugh, he makes me uncomfortable. And it's so good. It's yeah. so good how this guy is just like, he's so manipulative and he's mm-hmm. so smart and slimy. And he's like my, he's. He's the worst nightmare of myself. Like, mm. you know, I feel like there are aspects of my personality that are like that. So to see it completely, <sighs> I'm yeah. just getting chills thinking about it. It's that good. <laughs> it's that good. Yeah. And, and it really does. It really does a fantastic job of it really asks the question is what is, it basically is, it really is an indictment of the, of the news industry and the media in general, where it's talking about what is the difference between proclaiming the news and creating the news? What happens when you continually blur those lines between creating news and just relaying news and what that happens? And it happens in two different instances. It happens like um, Renee Russo plays a studio executive. And so it happens on her end. And then, of course, you have the Jake Gyllenhaal end. As you watch him, as he he does that journey and goes on that journey from just filming the news to actually becoming a part of it, to actually creating it and staging it. And it's, I mean, that descent is just, oh, I mean, it's full of ridiculously uncomfortable moments. And, and you're like, oh, my goodness. Um, but it does make you think about how much that actually plays out, not to that extreme. It's not this is more reducto ad absurdum than, than you might see in real life, but that same type of conversation happens. What is the difference between uh, creating the news and just simply relaying it? Well, it really points out too that like the news is always going to focus on mm-hmm. the things that make us uncomfortable and make us feel bad because mm-hmm. they want us to not be comfortable. That's just yeah. mm-hmm. the news is never going to be focused on happy things. Yeah. And it's, it's that whole idea that, that the negative trumps the positive in our brains and it just uses that to, uh, to no end. But yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal's character is pretty insane in this movie. So if you haven't seen Nightcrawler, definitely see Nightcrawler. Or don't if you value like your personal sanity. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Well, that is the show for today. Thank you for tuning into film for fans. Uh, make sure you check out filmforfans.com for all of our content there and rate, subscribe, and like the podcast. Uh, Until next time, enjoy the movies.